Movie Club, where we talk to music people about movies about music people. Uh, I am Naomi. I use she, her pronouns. I am Crystal, also she, her pronouns, and we are Basic Bitches. We are happy to have members of Bakai here to talk with us about the 1995 slacker classic Empire Records, the story of a record store on the brink of selling out and a group of record store employees on the brink of their own occasionally overlapping crises. Uh, thanks so much to Bakai, or rather, as we can go into half of Bakai, for joining us. Uh, please go ahead and introduce yourselves. Thanks for having us. I'm Katie, and I play keyboard and sing in Bakai. Hi, I'm Rena. I play bass and sing sometimes in Bakai. So, as Crystal mentioned, we are going to be talking about Empire Records. Uh, Rena, you in particular were very excited to jump onto this. So, tell us about what Empire Records means to you. Okay, so my friend growing up had this bootleg copy of Empire Records that she like recorded on like so this is how long ago it was like on a VHS like when it was on TV sometime but like she missed the like the first like 10 minutes of the movie so every time we'd watch it I was just without the context of like the first 10 minutes which like there's a lot of plot there yeah where Lucas, like takes the money he goes to the casino he loses it and that's the whole movie plot and we never had that information so I didn't see the full movie until I was like much further into like my adult life like in college or something where I saw the whole entire movie because as a kid we just <laughs> bootleg copy with the missing 10 minute start point. Did you did it like recontextualize it when you actually saw it? Yes, because it's just like, oh, okay, like this makes a lot of sense. Like he 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 found the plans for Music Town. Like he wanted to go out there and you know <laughs> keep the empire alive and work to make sure that they kept their small local business in check. And I didn't like. I mean, you gather some of that information as you go into <laughs> the full length movie. But I feel like having the context of watching the first ten minutes of a movie is really important. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise you're just like, why won't they let this guy off the couch? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, yeah. what uh, other than just the mystery of what on earth is happening in this movie? What uh, what kind of like drew you to this movie? Well, I mean, it was just like cool kids working in a record store. Like I really loved music. I was like super into like learning about new bands and rock music, alternative music. Like everyone was so cool at the store. They dressed cool. They listened to cool music. Like everything was just surrounding that group of like young people. And I'm just like, oh man, when I'm older, like that would be so sick to work at a record store and have friends and like just listen to music all day and just like, you know, run amok in like a cool record store. So like it, where I grew up, there was um a record store called Tower Records that I know is a chain, but like, it would just like made me want to like work at a Tower Records or something because it just seemed like the cool thing to do. I don't know if either of you ever worked at a record store, but both both of us did. And Ooh. <laughs> awesome. not, no, not hum, humble brag. Yeah. <laughs> I worked for less than minimum wage. Um, 
But like the thing about Empire Records is it's fucking huge. Like, Absolutely massive store for an independent yeah. record store to be that big. It's, yeah. a, it's a, not not a sustainable business model, really. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It looks like a tower. Like it's, yes, it's much more of a like major chain vibes. Um, well, I guess since it was like that specific location, like it took place in like middle of nowhere, Delaware or something. So yeah. I guess they have the real estate to like have all of this. Uh, available to them and it probably wasn't that <laughs> we were like really early on we were googling where this is set because it's yeah. really hard to work out it yeah it doesn't there's nothing like place specific to the movie at all like no one ever mentions anything geographically or there's yeah there's just nothing but also it's one of, I looked on an um, internet movie database before this, it's one of 11 movies that take place in Delaware. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's so awesome. I mean, the only geographic location thing that they talk about is that Lucas took his bike- Went to Atlantic City. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so it has to be in like this like tri-state area, which like, made sense for him to take his little like moped and yeah. drive back to Atlantic City. Before we rewatched it like this weekend, I was convinced that he went to Reno. I really thought this was like way other part of the country. It was like so uh, AC. Yeah. I love <laughs> and I think like and he's carrying around his little bucket of coins and I think it's a Harrah's casino bucket, which is like specific. And I know there's a Harrah's in like Vegas and stuff too, but yeah, Harrah's. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of Trump product placement as well. I know. Yeah. I mean, that's like all oh god. Yeah. It's like in every single like 90s film, movie, TV show. Cause that I don't think that, that Trump casino even lasted that long, but it was obviously around when they were filming the externals. <laughs> that's forever immortalized <laughs> in Empire Records. <laughs> You never really leave the universe of the store. It's like, I remember when I saw it, because I saw it a few times when I was a kid too. And I like, it never occurred to me that there was life outside of Empire Records. Like everything that happens just happens in this world that they've created. And it's like, yeah, some people are talking about going to college, but like what actually matters is what's happening right now. Like everything in the movie is so immediate and like so overblown. It's like, we don't save the record store today everything is over like it's so do or die everything in this movie but like at the same time uh everybody has this like cool chilled out like 90s vibe everybody is like just looks peak 90s there are some really impressive fashion moments in this as well <laughs> fashion like the vibes and everything like each individual character, as you were saying, like just has their own vibe going for them and the type of music that they put on the speakers, like, and like people vetoing it if they weren't into it. Like, I just thought that that, I, I never got to work at a record store. So I never got to realize that dream and passion. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like fairly close to the I mean, obviously it's slightly preposterous but it's pretty close to the general vibe of working in a record store like yeah. lot, it was it was criminally overstaffed which is another reason why this record store might be in trouble yeah 
Yeah, I, I also found it to be pretty accurate in terms of what it's like to work at a record store, um, you know, with like playing the game to see who gets to put the, the first like music on of the day and like, you know, running around and pretending like you're dusting when you're just kind of walking around and not really doing your job. Um, there was also, you know, much more hanging out in the back room than in any other job that I worked at. Like, were you just, are you, are you working or are you just hanging out? A lot of people seem to be just hanging out. Well, I think that that's typical of any kind of retail job because even though I didn't work at a record store, like I worked at like a CVS, I worked at a beauty supply, like I worked at like a flower shop. And it's like, even if you weren't on the schedule, you would go and hang out with your friends yeah. that work. <laughs> um, uh, one of the things that we were kind of thinking about when we we're looking at these movies and like talking to music people about music movies, um, were like some of the musical moments in the film that kind of resonated with you? And, you know, was it just like the atmosphere of working in a record store or were there like specific music moments in the movie um, that, you know, have like inspired you to like look into certain bands or like pursue a certain kind of style? Like what were some of the musical moments that you both kind of took away from this film? Um, I guess, I guess um, Empire Records introduced me to the Gin Blossoms yeah. um, as a young teen, um, which I think, yeah, that's like the, I mean, that's like the single on the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, but also uh, when Renee Zellweger's character, like at the end, um, sings in the band, like on the rooftop and she's very like shy about it. She's like, oh, I don't know if I can actually do this, um, you know, singing with Coyote Shivers uh, band and, um, that like that moment that was like something that I watched as like a 14 year old and I was like oh I want to be in a band so bad you know like seeing another woman like just yeah like a character in a film do it was great yeah totally that's I think that's like a really relatable moment for a lot of us probably like yeah absolutely I think that this movie also introduced me to like guar because yes I'm so glad you brought that up like <laughs> when Mark's like on his weed brownies <laughs> and, like, and he's like in the video it was just like so eye-opening like, like gosh, what is this band like they're all dressed up it's crazy they're like eating people on stage there's blood like this is awesome yeah no totally that was a really I remember that too when I because I think I first saw this movie when it came out you know 1995 I was like 11 or 12 really had no business seeing this movie, but it was also like when you're that age, teenagers or like young adults feel like like fully grown up yeah. to you. <laughs> so like watching them have this life um, was pretty amazing for me, but like watching that gore scene, I'm like, same thing, like what, what is this? Like, but they're like playing songs, they're playing music, this is a band, this is like not, they're not Muppets. <laughs> this is not, <laughs> this is actually quite scary, but you know, it's like, there's, a, there's so many different kinds of music out there. There's so many different things out there. It's just like, that is on way on one side, but it's like introduces you to a whole different spectrum of like what music is. <laughs> it's pretty rad. 
I feel like all of Mark's music choices in the movie were awesome and I liked everything that he picked and I didn't understand when people were like vetoing his choices and stuff and like at that one scene where he like puts on some crazy song I don't even know what what band it is but like there's like a mosh pit yeah. that starts yeah we also found mark to be the like most music savvy and like the one to who was the most passionate about actual music of yeah. any of the other employees in the store that did yeah. seem like for a bunch of record store employees it doesn't seem like anybody really cares about music that much <laughs> except for mark like he he did he cared yeah, and then Gina's character with Renee Zellweger, like she wanted to sing in the yeah. band. That was cool too. But that just like came out at a, at a space that was just like pretty, I don't know if it was like the most appropriate time to like talk about like how big you were scared of wanting to be in a band. And right. like- <laughs> It was like, friends. this moment's not really about you, but cool, okay. <laughs> like she's going through a crisis, we're trying to work through it, like help her. And then she's like, I just always wanted to be in a band. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you work with a guy who inexplicably carries his guitar around the whole time he's working. So. <laughs> what a tool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, that's, that's another thing about the movie. Like, it deals with, like, one of the heaviest topics possible, especially yeah. as a teenager, suicide. And that was, like, the first time, I think, like, yeah, like, as a like freshman in high school, like watching it, I was like, oh my God, like this is, feels like very important to watch. And like, it was great seeing Deb like being supported by all of her coworkers slash friends, like, and like people like helping her through, you know, her depression instead of just being like, oh, shut up, go away, you know, which I feel like, I don't know. It just, yeah, it was like cool to see in a movie. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like w watching it just recently, um, I was pretty impressed with the way her character was like written and how she kind of acted the, the part. Because um, there was one scene where the guitar guy was like trying to talk to her about it. And he's like, oh, I'm really sorry. And she's like, this is not about you. It's like not for you. It's not about you. And like, just like being really clear and like kind of having some autonomy in that moment was really... Yeah, I like found it to be uh, really refreshing, I guess, in a way how it was handled and how it was written that like, she wasn't looking for anybody's sympathy. She just wanted to be seen. She was like in one of the listening booths, like doing the taxes or something. And the manager comes up and he's just like, you know, you can talk to me, but you're just, you're doing a great job and walks away. And she was just like, yeah, that's kind of all I needed to hear. I just needed to be seen and like, heard and somebody that like acknowledge that I'm a human being and I'm doing a good job <laughs> you know I thought yeah I thought that that was interesting with all the characters being in tune with like her emotions in the whole entire movie because it's like when she walked in people were just like oh something's up and then she goes in the bathroom shaves her head which yeah. is like completely total badass move like just aside but and then she comes out and they're like you had hair when you were in it. So, like <laughs> like also, what's up with your wrist? Like, it's like they didn't just tiptoe around the subject. Mm -hmm. I find to be really necessary because I feel like there's a lot of stigma behind like mental health and getting people help and talking through issues that I was really happy to see in a movie that came out in 1995. They don't even do that in movies and shows like now, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, it really made me, I, I, it kind of like, my brain put it on a similar level to like my so-called life. I feel like it's like this early mid nineties, like empathetic grunge kids. Yeah. Actually, actually empathizing with each other rather than like becoming like an afternoon special or whatever, you know? Right. Oh, but they did also kind of like do, they touched on that too. Cause it's just like, we're not actually friends, like between like Deb and like Corey's character, like they just weren't actually friends. Like it's like, but they bonded in that moment in the bathroom when she like has, when Corey has her freak out over yeah. and like Gina. And then like Deb like picks her up off the ground. She's like, let me handle this one. Like I understand, like you're finally human. I can see you and you see me too. But like, this is not going to be a woo woo. Like we're best friends. We're going to come out of this bathroom holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like the, it's the variety of characters and like backstories and stuff. They actually managed to get quite a lot into it because it's only like an hour and a half, this movie. I, it was kind of hard to tell like how old anybody was really supposed to be in the movie too. Yeah. Like with Liv Tyler's character, Corey, like it's Corey, right? Like why, so. like, yeah. like why is it so hard for me? So her character was 17 because she was like, going into her getting into college phase or whatever but then everyone else was just like not in college I guess so like they're like older but like how much older like yeah yeah unclear it's a very <laughs> ambiguous age range <laughs> like AJ had been there for five years and I'm like okay been working five years in a how old are you? Right. <laughs> I don't think the math works out if we uh, if we take a minute to try and write down everybody's. Because I was really convinced that Rennie Zellweger's character was at school with Liv Tyler, but I don't really oh. know where I was picking that up from. No, I don't think so. Like, I don't think so. Like, it he, didn't sound like she was like in school. Because she she had some line about how she she's like I don't want to just you know graduate from high school like my mom and like just like right. not do anything with my life so she must yeah so her character is definitely like she makes some reference to like Liv Tyler having perfect grades that she can't get like like she does talk about it like they're contemporaries <laughs> like I'm like yeah I don't know I have no idea maybe they are she picked her up like for work that day but it wasn't like hey you have my homework assignment <laughs> yeah I, I don't buy Renelle Zell Zellweger as a high school student in this contest no. <laughs> I don't know she was a lot more like seasoned and experienced like than Liv because it was just like oh can we like talk about like Rex Manning for a second <laughs> yes yes it's time gross like I mean he was just so disgusting but I just like felt so bad for like Liv Tyler's character of like that's what she aspired to like have as her first time I was just like oh no baby no <laughs> <laughs> it's also like because she has a when she's a picture of him at the beginning it's him young young right so like but he, when he turns up absolutely doesn't look like that anymore and she's still like that's my guy <laughs> like supposed to be like 50 or something like because it's like all the like women that are in line for his autograph are just like moms like I'm just like yeah yeah so 
demographic is supposed to be into him and especially like when his manager is just like what do you guys think and they're like uh like we're not the target audience for rex manning like his new album sucks like we don't like this guy the thing with him is like i feel like he's based on someone and i just yeah quite tom jones a little bit tom jones he i kept thinking of robert palmer just because that music oh. video is a little bit yeah I was trying to think too, who was the, like, who was he a parody of in this, in this movie? Yeah. Yeah. They do a really good job of making him sleazy and like a has been and like, like they really build up that character. And then there's inexplicably two beautiful young women. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I get like Renee Zellweger's character, Gina, like she just, I feel went after the Rex character like out of spite and yeah. like you know with Corey and like Liv Tyler's character he, she just wanted to do it to do it <laughs> yeah I think sometimes that happens too when you're when you're a teen you like have inexplicable celebrity crushes mm-hmm. or like a crush on a teacher and then like as an adult, you look back and you're like, ew, like, <laughs> this person's not even attractive to me now. <laughs> We've had a conversation about this recently because, like, I had a, such a huge crush on David Duchovny and the X-Files. And, like, <laughs> watch it now, not even with context. Very cute. And the character is not cool either. Yeah. He's kind of sad. Yeah. Really sad. <laughs> sad and creepy he's a sad creepy dog it doesn't have a bed it doesn't have any friends (laughs) that's my guy (laughs) so i mean we've talked a little bit about like you know watching this movie for the first time but watching it most recently for this like how does it how does it compare? I don't. I don't know if you revisit this movie often, but um, you know, how does it hold up for you now? I watching it, watching it as a as a kid, it was like, oh, I wish this was my life, like kind of thing. Like I don't know. Uh, like Rena talked about some of the jobs she had, like working at CVS and you know, like beauty supply store. I worked at Coldstone Creamery, which was just like, you know, working in food service um, frequently sucks, but like Coldstone, <laughs> it was like, it was fine. You know, like it was, it was a pretty good job as a teen, but it just wasn't as cool as working at Empire Records. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like for me, like when I saw it then, like that was like the focus of just like, oh God, this is just, I like really connect with these characters. And then watching it a couple days ago as an adult, um, I was like, oh, this is about capitalism, like (laughs) how much it sucks. And also doing like research, like reading trivia about Empire Records. um, It's really funny how like the release of the movie kind of like mirrors this whole like, oh, there's like a big corporate entity that's going to come in and like tell you what to do and apparently like the studio like wanted the movie to like make like cut the film like in all these ways where the director was like no like I'm we're not like you know cutting like I don't want to like edit it like this and like there was like a lot of like bad blood between the studio and the director and then like when Empire Records got released the studio didn't do any advertising for Mm -hmm. it 
because they were just like, you know, fuck you. <laughs> um, and that's why it was such a box office bust. And I don't, I think that's like just the most fascinating thing that like the movie is about that kind of, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Cause we did see, we're like, wow, this movie looks like it kind of bombed. Like nobody cared about this movie at all, but somehow it's like, it's kind of a, it's like got a cult status now. It's, it's something that people remember and like recognize, but uh, yeah, I didn't know that. Good, good fact, good knowledge. Yeah, I think it definitely was a word of mouth movie. I feel like I got it, I think I rented it. Like I kind of have a vague memory of like seeing the bots and uh, not even a blockbuster where I grew up, just the, the grocery store had like a little, a little aisle with some movies in it. And then there was the post office down the back. I'm pretty sure I rented it from the farm shop. Yeah, the, the poster, like in the movie cover is pretty iconic. So if you were like a kid that's like into like alternative music or something, and you see the way the kids are dressed on the box, like that might lure you into watching it. But I would love to like, I would love for somebody to watch it brand new, like hasn't seen it ever before this year to like what their reaction would be because the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes are just like such dog shit, but it's just, <laughs> you know, there's just like white man critics that like didn't care for it. And it's like 20 something percent, but like the audience scores are so high because it's like such a loved nostalgic movie. But I feel like it kind of still holds up in current times, like as Katie was saying, like, you know, just thinking about capitalism and it's like, damn the man, like save the empire. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh yes, like the little guys, we gotta, we gotta keep going. We gotta keep trucking along. Yeah, I mean the like DIY element to the like big fundraiser they, they throw at the end of the movie was really cool. It's like really uplifting and it's like, you see all of these different people because like it's a record store and they had all kinds of different people who listen to all kinds of different music like still showing up and supporting this place and like that was really cool it was it's it was still fun to see that you know yeah. to like see that work and you know at the end of the day for them to be able to like take the store back um like on their own terms you know and uh then they could still live this uh, happy record store fantasy forever <laughs> Yeah, well, Crystal, I'm glad that you brought up like the different types of music and like the different people that came together in the community because in any shot where there are live people inside the store, there's just all ages, yeah. all ethnicities, like all kinds of like genres of music being played in those little like the, the booths that you can like go listen to music and stuff, which was super cool just to see the variety of like 90s styles like across like different types of people too. Yeah, I mean, and like the staff was all, they were all pretty engaging. Like they, I think a lot of the the stereotypes of record store employees can often be like the too cool, like person who's just sitting there critiquing your music choices and is gonna like judge you based on what CD you bring up to the counter. But like, there was really none of that happening at Empire Records, except for like all of the behind the scenes shit talking of Rex Manning, which it just seemed like no one actually liked Rex Manning. So that was the majority opinion anyway. <laughs> and then like also the the call out of the character Warren, like Brendan Sexton yeah. comes in and he steals all these CDs and like 
they're just like, okay, like you stole like rap metal, rap metal, Whitney Houston. And he's like, it's, it's, for, my, it's for my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I just love the, um, there is a lot of character development because even with Warren, like it's like he goes from like being like this little petty thief and then he comes back with a gun he like goes away and like handcuffs like several times but then they offer him a job yeah like you have like you're so cool like it's like you want to work here like hey cool here's a name tag yeah sometimes that's all it takes it's just a name tag (laughs) yeah like every time it gets me at the end when it's the block party and um, Mitch, like the owner comes back and he's like, does anybody work here? Like, <laughs> and then Warren comes with his little yeah. thing. Like, like, makes me laugh every single time. But it's also like the guy that owns the place actually has no idea how to run the store. That's always like, how it is, right? Yeah. Like, Classic. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so clear like it's like yeah I I love how realistic everything is yeah I mean it certainly is like a it's like a 90s time capsule in terms of just like the way it looks and the way it sounds but Mm -hmm. I think yeah you're right like there are some themes there about like big business that uh are still pretty relevant yeah I mean but yeah the soundtrack just is perfect I think that people if they want to listen to the music like to get them to think about even watching the the movies like cheesy 90s teen dramedy like obviously it's not for everyone mm-hmm. I'm not that it is but <laughs> it really does have a great soundtrack overall yeah I feel like I probably had the soundtrack before I even watched the movie and I like remember that image the like poster image and the yeah. like the soundtrack that's I think that's what people recognize. Even if they don't know the movie, you probably know that image. Like, you know yeah. what it looks like. It's iconic. And then every April, like, 8th, it's just like, oh, it's Rex Mooney. <laughs> <laughs> like, people talking about it. Like, it's just like, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. No, it's cool. Well, um, we don't want to take too much time, but... Um, is there, are there any other takeaways from the movie or is there anything that um, you all are working on that you want to tell us about? The cover um, Oh, I guess we are working on a cover song, yeah. Nice. Yeah, we're doing a cover song um, uh, for this compilation that's the band Susie True. Um, they're organizing a, a compilation that's all of the songs from the gossip girl soundtrack wow um but i think i mean i I think there are only like 20 bands or so doing it um but there are there are like this was like the hardest comp thing to do because there are hundreds of songs to choose from (laughs) because there's so many episodes of gossip girl um but i don't think we can say like which cover we're doing but uh we're doing it like long distance or you know like we're each recording our individual parts mm-hmm. in our respective houses and then mixing it all together and we did that for um a couple of other things at the end of last year so amazing end of 2020 wow that's cool all right well thanks for doing this you guys this yeah. has been super fun and a reason to watch empire records again mm-hmm. all right thanks for having <laughs> thank us thank you thanks for being on bye bye, bye. You've been listening to Basic Bitches Movie Club, produced by us, Basic Bitches. 
If you would like to know more about us, please visit basicbitchesband.com. Don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe to this podcast on your provider of choice.